0: you're listening to the better man podcast becoming life-giving men together hey there everyone and welcome to the better man podcast my name is adam Tarno. we got a great episode in store today david murrow is on the show today david murrow can be found at davidmurrow.com, m-u-r-r-o-w listen to this here's who david is he is an author a speaker a video producer a writer an inventor, and an all-around nice guy. I mean, we basically have the most interesting man in the world on the podcast today. So uh, our conversation today, we're going to talk about David's latest book. There was a book that he just released this year in 2021, and it is called Drowning in Screen Time. It's going to be relevant to all people, but especially relevant to men. So take a listen to this conversation between David and I, and uh, then I'll be back with a few closing comments. All right. Well, uh, David, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you very much. So your new book, Drowning in Screen Time. um, Here was my first question that popped in my mind, uh, because I think a lot of times when people talk about screen time, that is a term that is used for children, right? For young kids of, oh, we got to limit your screen time, limit your screen time. Uh, But I don't think you wrote this just for young kids. I think you wrote this for everyone and for adults. And so are you seeing, is screen time a problem uh, in the world right now or in the culture, uh, specifically with adults?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, a pre-pandemic survey from Nielsen Media Research found that the average North American spends nine hours a day looking at a screen for entertainment. And that's not counting the time we, we do for for work or school or other mandatory pursuits. So just in the last 20 years, we've gone from a a world in which most of our experiences were uh, live, we were seeing other people live, to where we see the world now through our screens, screen mediated. Most Mm. of our communications, our interpersonal interactions are mediated through screens. And that's changing the way we relate to one another. It's leading to an epidemic of loneliness, depression, and uh, also alienation from one another. Because as humans, we are designed to be in physical proximity with each other. And, uh, zoom just doesn't quite cut it.
0: No, it doesn't. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that are nodding their heads in agreement. Maybe, uh, 18 months ago, they would have been like, well, maybe, I mean, it's kind of, it's not that bad, but I think now that we've all got the zoom fatigue after the pandemic, we would all go, yeah, it's different. And so we would agree with you there, but that nine hours is shocking. Uh, that is shocking. I feel guilty every Sunday morning when I get the screen time, report from my iPhone, it always comes in like the second worship song at church. And it just feels like, it just feels like this, uh, like I shyly just pull it out of my pocket and look at it and I'm like, Oh, all right. And, you know, can repent right there on what, where my numbers are. If it ever says down, I'm always feeling like, all right, Lord, it was a good week. It was a good week. So, um, but let's talk about this because I think it's fascinating when you and I were even getting ready for this podcast. And when we talked on the phone a a couple of weeks ago, uh, you draw a parallel in the book to the movie The Matrix, and I'd love for you to explain that because I think it's fascinating.
1: Well, the premise of The Matrix is that uh, there is this artificial world uh, that exists on another plane, and um, we are we don't live our lives corporally. We're actually being fed an artificial world through our brains, and we call mm. that brain The Matrix, while the machine exploits, exploits our bodies as a huge battery. Now, I'm sorry for the spoiler alert on that. I probably should have premised that one. Well,
0: yeah, the movie's been out long enough, though. Yeah, I guess so, 1999.
1: (laughs) But what we're doing is we are actually plugged into a huge media matrix right now. We are not seeing the world as it is. We're not seeing our neighbor. We are seeing a distant reality. I liken uh, screen time to a pair of binoculars. When you put binoculars to your eyes, you instantly see distant things, and they become very large in our, in our view. But we lose yep. our peripheral vision. We don't see the things that are right around us. And this is what's happening. Christians uh, are commanded by God to love the Lord their God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But so many Christians are spending hours and hours and hours each day plugged into the matrix with these binoculars to their eyes seeing distant things happening in Washington DC or in the Middle East or whatever we're worrying about world affairs meanwhile our neighbor goes unloved the very thing Jesus did told us to love you told us to love our neighbors that's not happening because we are we're so focused on world affairs we've got it completely backwards god worries about the world our job is to love our neighbors so yeah, we're plugged into this huge matrix that's telling us things that are untrue or exaggerating truths in order to get us upset and get us, keep us plugged into that in the alternate reality.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that. I think you're right. You're spot on. I mean, you're putting words to some things that I'd been feeling, which is why I like that parallel so much. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's a really, really helpful metaphor. And so this, this next question, though, would kind of, I guess, dovetail off of that. Uh, you know, are you seeing... How screens are dividing us as a culture into some warring tribes? Well, absolutely. I mean, you can any belief that you might happen to have can now be
1: confirmed online. No mm. matter how crazy, how no matter how conspiratorial, there is someone else online who's going to say, "Yep, that's true." And you know, in the in in the analog world, we never could have found that. But in the digital world, it's as it's as close as a as a uh, Google search away to find fellow believers. Um, you know, there, there are folks online who believe themselves to be dragons, fairies, wizards. They identify as animals. You know, these things would have been considered absolutely, ins- you know, we're gonna lock you up and put you in an insane yeah. asylum. And now you can yeah. find a chorus of voices that are going to tell you, no, you are actually a woman or you actually are a fairy or a vampire. So yes, that's one of the ways that they're, that screens are dividing us. And of course, they're also dividing us along political lines. Um, you know, the, uh, and this is how it worked. I was shocked to realize in doing a research for the book in 1960 broadcast news that the CBS evening news lasted 15 minutes. That was your daily dose of news, 15 wow. minutes long today. You can get news 24 seven and there's all these channels, all these online, uh, there's cable networks and online outlets that are competing for the news audience. And so they have to provide 24 hours of interesting content. Well, what do they do? They turn to politics. They turn to conflict. And so they continually put these things in front of us to get our attention. And it creates an artificial world, again, to use the matrix, a world in which we only see conflict. We only see the world burning around us. We only see protests in the street. We only see you know all these horrible things that are happening. And that further frightens and divides us.
0: I can really identify with that. I think you're exactly right that there is a lot of that—that that, um, us versus them—that is just being created because we're so glued to these screens uh, right now. So, what, what, like, what's the screen time doing to our bodies physically? What do you, what are you seeing there? What did your research uncover?
1: Well, in 1960, the average uh, man weighed about 175 pounds. The average woman was 140 pounds. Today, the average woman weighs as much as the average man in 1960. So what screens have done is they've immobilized us. Uh, Probably the most satanic invention of the 1980s was the infrared remote, which allows us to sit on our couch and control (laughs) our screens without getting up. At least before 1980, we had to stand up and change the channel. Yes. So, uh, it, 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 all this immobilization of our bodies, you know, uh, t- television's pr- predecessor radio allowed us to still move around the room. We could listen to, you know, the shadow or radio dramas while we were moving around. But if you're going to watch television, if you're going to surf the web, you have to stop. And so yep. that has immobilized our bodies during the pandemic. Uh, pediatricians are sounding the alarm all these online classes and no PE, some children have gained up to 16% more body weight during the pandemic wow. because of the immobilization of our bodies. So we're going to see a lot sicker uh, culture, not only from a, a mental perspective, but also from a physical perspective because of the amount of time we devote to our screens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting talking about the infra, uh, the infrared remote, uh, but you remember how amazing it was to get that remote the first time, right?
1: Oh my yes, you know, and I—it's hard to believe that it was invented in 1980. It seems like it was before that, but I guess in the 70s, yeah. I was my dad's remote. He would he would look <laughs> at me and said he'd look at me and say, "David, channel 11," and so I ran That's over right. there and turned on channel 11, and I, I got the I exercise try and that he gained the weight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I should try that tonight with my boys. I remember the first VCR we bought, and some of our listeners will identify with this. The first VHS VCR had a remote, but it was corded. And wire, so It yeah. literally was like a, a, uh, like a 20 foot wire. And so you would plug it in and you could walk halfway across the living room and it still technically worked as a remote. So, uh, so it was the dawn of things to come. That was probably in the mid eighties. So, uh, anyway, but, but you're exactly right. It is, it's doing this stuff to our bodies. And, um, so how, how are you personally noticing screens impacting you and what are some changes that you're making?
1: Well, uh, I tell a story in the book about, uh, you know, when I was a, A kid, I was determined not to become a screen addict because my dad was one and his screen time disgusted me. But then along came wireless computing, Wi-Fi, and my laptop. And I quickly succumbed to that because, you know, my dad's TV brought in maybe seven or eight channels. I could look at literally hundreds of websites at the time and since become millions. And I just became very addicted to novelty. Our brains are wired to respond to new things. And I have a very inquisitive personality. I like to keep up with the news and world affairs and what's going on. And I just fell into that hole very quickly. And uh, my my family actually had to have an intervention with me and say, "Dad, you're ignoring us. You're watching your computer too much." And I had to put it away and I had to repent of that. Uh, when game, little games on the phone came along, I cannot. That is a really uh, that is a easy hole for me to fall into. You know, I'm just sitting there waiting for my flight at the airport. Instead of looking around and praying for people around me, or thinking about you know what I need to be doing in the future, or my family, or whatever, I'll just get lost in Candy Crush or Words with Friends or, or CNN or you know, Fox News, whatever it is. I'll, it's very easy to get lost in that and just ignore the world around you. So you know that that was my personal battle was was just trying to be remain uh, present in real life and not succumb to the siren call of easy screen entertainment and the novelty that it provides my brain.
0: When you're sharing this message with other audiences, which I know you've been doing here in in, uh, 2021, how are they reacting?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I I think a lot of people think this is other people's problem, (laughs) Mm, (laughs) or like you said in the introduction, it's a kid's problem. And a lot of adults are really, they're really beginning to come to the realization of how unhealthy their screen time is. And they, they want to know things like, you know, do I need to completely fast or get away from my screens? Well, if, you're, if your situation is severe and you were really addicted, yes, there may be a time where you need to just detox and turn everything off. Yeah, But, you know, not all screen time is created equal. If you're working on screen for work, obviously you need to do that. If you get the family together for a family movie night and pop the popcorn up, that can be tremendously helpful and and very healthy to watch a movie together. You know, not all screen time is of the devil. We need to be discerning about how we use the screen time and we need to be just intentional about staying present in the real world when we have the opportunity. Uh, I tell people the way to get to the 50 yard line on their screen addictions is to just eliminate mindless screen time grabbing your phone, sitting, sitting, waiting for your airplane or, or, you know, waiting at the baggage carousel or standing in line at the grocery store. If you could eliminate those mindless moments and instead devote those to prayer for people around you, that's powerful. And, you know, just don't waste your life just entertaining yourself and looking for the latest uh, new thing on, on your phone.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it hit me probably, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago that I think I remember the last day I was truly bored, and it was the day before I got my first iPhone. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it is a boredom prevention device for me. And so it is yes. amazing how many little boring moments I've got all day, how long a stoplight is now, right? And it's like, well, that's okay. I can check my text messages or the elevator ride up or just walking from the parking lot into the grocery store. Uh, waiting in line at the grocery store, as you said. So I like that challenge, like keep the phone in pocket during those moments. And those boring
1: moments are where God can speak to us. Uh, That's when that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, you can just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me, God, you know, what do you have for me today? And those moments are gone because all we do is, you know, we spend all our time on, on, on these devices and we, we crowd out the still small voice of God with the blaring Uh, trumpet of, you know, Fox News or our game we like or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when I uh, became, I became a Christian in college and as my faith started to grow in my young adult years, it became common for when guys, when men would get together, we would talk about what we were putting before our eyes, right? So were we watching inappropriate movies uh, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, everything from pornography to certain rated R movies and television Mm -hmm. shows and, you know, you just start to become more mindful of what you're putting before your eyes. And so, you know, I would imagine there's some people just going, yeah, but the screen time, I mean, yeah, I get it. I probably could lower it a little bit during some of those mundane moments, but I'm not watching anything immoral. So, you know, as a Christian, I don't don't think it's that bad. What would you say to somebody that maybe has that line of thinking? Well, I, I
1: start my book off with a parable that addresses that. It talks about a man who has never seen the ocean before and who wades in and uh he goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the water and then he encounters some jellyfish well the jellyfish sting him and eventually he loses consciousness and drowns in the church we're very good at pointing out the jellyfish the pornography the inappropriate content the swearing the violence right what we don't recognize is there's a second hazard and that's the depth of the water if we're spending nine hours a day involved in a screen world those are nine hours a day we're not involved in other people's lives loving our neighbor loving our families caring for one another i mean our life on this earth is very short and we really don't want to devote it to something as meaningless as you know the latest episode of jeopardy you know (laughs) i'm not saying you can't watch jeopardy i'm just saying that if if we're giving so much time over to these things we're not giving uh time over to things that matter and, uh, that's, yeah. that's my call as is, is as young men, as you said, it's not only about avoiding pornography, it's about avoiding the temptation to check out.
0: I like that. I like that now. Yeah. And I like what you're saying there that it's not about, you know, we're not picking on jeopardy because when Aaron Rogers is going to be the host, I mean, I think that's going to be kind of fun. I'm going to have to watch an episode or two of that, but, but it is the the depth of this. I really like that, that we're forgetting, of uh, just yeah. where we're stewarding our time, right? Like this is this is a one little vaporous life that we've got, and and it can quickly get away from you uh, if you're not aware of all of that. So um, one of the, the fifth parable that you talk about in the book is about these digital kingdoms and the screens, how they allow us to become these lords of our own secret world. So uh, unpack that uh, a little bit too, and in, in talk about what do you mean by that parable?
1: People don't realize that when they go into the screen world, they really have a higher level of control than they have in the real world. In the real world, if your car breaks down, you have to deal with it. If you have a broken relationship, you have to deal with it. In the screen world, you make all the decisions. You decide what you're going to watch, what ideas will be tolerated, who can friend you on social media. You can even summon the dead to entertain you. You know, hey Bing Crosby or, or whoever. Let's let's uh, Robin Williams. You have this amazing, almost godlike power in the screen world. So yeah. this exercising this lordship is is making it harder for us to submit to the lordship of Jesus and to the authority of earthly figures. That we need to be submitting to like our churches or you know our pastors uh we we just get used we get so used to being so in control that we do not uh yield to the authorities that we should be yielding to first to christ and then to the church and these sorts of things and we're seeing this just this outbreak of rebelliousness in the church because everybody thinks that they know what's right and they're used to being lords of their personal digital kingdoms and so they hear one little thing in church they don't like and they quit you know, because yeah. because hey, that didn't. You know, I'm going to cancel that, and and it, it's leading to just just tremendous dysfunction in the church today because everybody is their, the the lords of their own digital kingdom, and uh, if they don't like it, you know, if they don't like something in the real world, they cancel it because that's what you do in the in the digital world.
0: Man, and you know that that's a great example right there of not understanding the depth of the water that we're swimming in. That not an immoral thing, right? To Oh well, if YouTube is feeding me this and I don't like it, it gives me an option to say stop feeding me things like that. Or if that video gets boring, I can just stop it and go to something new. Training me uh, unknowingly to become this lord of this, and really become intolerant of anything that doesn't pique my interest or or keep the boredom at bay, right? And uh, and so that's a that's a fascinating connection there uh, with all of that. So. Uh, let's do this here before we wrap up and I'll let you get back to your day. So, you know, we've, we've mentioned social media. That's always going to be a hot topic. Good, bad. You know, there's some good things you can do with social media. There'd be some, some destructive things with all of that. But what would you say? Like, what's a, what's a Christian perspective on how to represent Christ on social media? What would you say to that?
1: Well, I would say the world could not care less about your doctrine. Uh, you know, in the Mm. time of Jesus, uh, the Pharisees had excellent doctrine, and they, knew the, they knew the scriptures right and left, and they stood up for righteousness. And Jesus yeah. wanted nothing to do with it because they were devoid of love. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is what a lot of Christians are doing. They're trying to stand up for truth and righteousness. And people don't care. People don't want to know what you know. They want to know how much you love. And, you know, I'm not saying that we need to completely abandon the truth. Absolutely not. We do need to stand up for the truth, but there's a time for that. When we're in relationship with somebody, when someone asks. But, you know, so many Christians are so angry on social media. They're so, they're, they're like, they're all playing the angry prophet. Hey, let's clear the temple today. You know, yeah. that, uh, I, Jesus did it. I can flame my, my adversaries as well. You know, that's not getting yeah. us anywhere. Our job is not to clear the temple. Uh, our Our job is to to love the people with, that we disagree with, to be respectful in dialogue with them, to be, you know, we we can stand up for the truth, but we need to do it with all gentleness, as the apostle Paul says. And uh, you know, it is the kindness of God that wins wins the lost. As it says in Romans, uh, it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And we need to be ambassadors of that kindness online instead of being yeah. the angry prophet.
0: I love that. that is that is so good. Uh, all right, last question. So let's let's talk to the guy that's listening right now going, okay, I, I do, I need to limit some of this screen time right now. You talked about getting it to the 50-yard line by just trying to maybe keep the phone in the pocket during some of the mindless distractions that pop up during the day. What are maybe one or two other things that you would encourage a man to do if they want to try to limit uh, some of the power of screen in their life right now?
1: Well, like if you're a dad, I would definitely put any no screens at the table uh if you hmm. especially if you're blessed enough to still be having family dinners you definitely don't want to allow any screens there the best thing would be to collect the screens at dinner time all the iPhones iPads Androids and stuff get collected put on their uh chargers the chargers need to be in mom and dad's bedroom and there's just no personal phones or screen times after dinner that's when everything that's gets turned in yeah. And then, you know, evening time is an analog time. You do your homework, you do something together as a family, you just chill out. Or, you, or the one tele, the one screen that I would endorse after dinner would be would be family viewing of television, of wholesome programming. Yeah. That is something that could be good. But, you know, family reading is good. There's so many great books out there. Chronicles of Narnia would be a great place to start with your kids. But, you know, make the evening the, the screen-free time and reclaim that time for your family and for the kingdom and just see the difference that it makes in your kids' lives and in your lives.
0: I like that. David, this is a timely message, and uh, I love how much thought you've put into this. Thank you so much, really, for doing the research, putting it all together, getting this message out there, uh, and spending some time with us today. Really, this has been incredibly helpful, and I thank you. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much, David, for joining us on the podcast. Personally, I just wanted to keep asking him questions. I thought that his insights were fascinating, uh, and I'm sure you did too. So here's what we can do we can just go buy his book, uh, we can pick up Drowning in Screen Time. Uh, it's available wherever you love to buy books. So go and uh, go and check it out. Uh, also, if you'd like to bring David in to speak to your church, your school, or your business, got some good news. He is waiving all speaking fees for 2021. Uh, if you can work it out for him, he can show up at your uh, your location live, or you can schedule a Zoom meeting or webinar. Uh, so if that interests you, you can learn more at davidmurrow.com. That's M-U-R-R. And then just one last thing before we leave and wrap up today's episode, if you've been enjoying the better man podcast and you are looking for ways to reach your friends, uh, the better man might be exactly what you're looking for. Our 11 week experience is an easy way to invite your friends to explore manhood in a way that's not only going to give them a biblical perspective, but it also could change their life forever. So better man is free of charge for churches. And so, if that interests you, go to betterman.com. You can explore how you can bring this experience to your church or your community. Go check it out. Uh, this could be a great way for you to influence your friends with the life changing message of Jesus and exploring this topic that I know is relevant to all men. That's betterman.com. Once again, today's episode was mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we got for today. Thanks again for tuning in to the Better Man Podcast. We'll talk to you again next time.